This morning, I want to talk to you about joy. The title of my sermon is Joy to the World. Joy to the World. And my first scripture here is is found in Luke chapter 2, and we all know this, verses 8 through 10. It says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people." Usually when I wake up in the morning, I have a cup of joe. This morning I had a cup of joy. A cup of joy. So that's why that's sitting right there. Um, What I'd like to do now, uh, you guys sounded so beautiful during worship. I'd like for you to stand up one more time and we're going to sing together. Some of you may know this song, Joy to the World. And what we're going to do, I'm not going to sing... Stand up here and sing you a solo, but you're going to sing to me as a choir, okay? And, and we're going to turn the, uh, the mics on, the choir mics, and the mic above the, the sanctuary here. You didn't know you were mic'd, did you? And we're going to turn that on, and we're going to serenade the live stream as well, okay? All right. <clears throat> Are you ready? Warm your voice up. What's a good key, Pastor Greg? You want to start us out? <laughs> Joy to the world. To the world, the Lord is God. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And Joy, oh, that's not what I have. Let sins and sorrows go. No thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow. Far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found. sing it. Give yourself a hand. You may be seated. That was very, very beautiful. I learned this recently about this song. That might be one of my favorite Christmas songs. But I learned that that's actually not a Christmas song. Did you know that? I didn't know that. It's actually not a Christmas song. Joy to the World is a poem that was written by Isaac Watts in 1719. And it was inspired by the Psalm 98. And it was never intended to be a Christmas song. Check this out. It was written in the 1700s, and one century later, a musician discovered this poem, and he put music to it, and it became the very popular song that we know today, Joy to the World. This writer never knew the impact of this poem 
in this song that he wrote. He never knew the impact that it would have on this world. And this psalm of joy is not talking about the first coming of Jesus, but it's actually talking about the second coming of Jesus. Joy to the world. I'm going to read Psalms 98, and you're welcome to, to follow along. Um, just because I like the way it was written in the King James Version, I'm going to read it from the KJV this morning. Starting with verse 1, it says, O sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gotten him the victory. And the Lord hath made known his salvation. His righteousness hath he openly shewed in the sight of heaven. He hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Sing unto the Lord with harp, with the harp and a voice of psalm, with trumpets and song of cornet. Make joyful noise before the Lord, the King. Let the sea roar, let the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Let the floods clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. For he cometh to judge the earth with righteousness. Shall he judge the world and the people with equity or fairness? Joy to the world. My question for you is, what is something that brings you joy? Well, I've brought a few things with me. These are a few of my favorite things. Um, I've got my golf clubs. Thank you, Charlotte, for those that bag I bought at the church yard sale. I've got my fishing rod here, my family, and I've got my guitar. These are a few of my favorite things. Um, but I took a survey, and I asked my children, what are a few of your favorite things? What's the, what's the number one thing? Well, they couldn't just give me one thing. My youngest gave me everything that was visible. So she said, Daddy. Well, I liked that one. Um, Christmas tree. Well, there's a Christmas tree right next to where we were sitting. Um, school. Well, she just got out of school. And then we asked for it. We dug for a few more, and she said, Art and snow. Addie, my middle child, she said, Family, dog, candy is pretty good. Not school and the pool. Malachi said, My dog. Video games, he, he named about every video game. So I'm just going to say video games and friends. And Brittany said coffee and hearing family laugh. Well, um, I thought those were pretty good, and so I, I wanted to hear some more. So I went to our, our parents on Wednesday nights, and I asked the parents, what are a few of your favorite things? And I'm not going to mention names, but we had things like my daughter, family time. Hanging out with the guys. <laughs> I wouldn't have said that in front of my wife. <laughs> um, my daughter. Doing anything outdoors but work. Vacation. Hallmark movies. Oh, bless her. My job. Sleep. Going to the gym. These were all wonderful answers. And I'm sure as I stand here and I talk about this, you could think of a few of your favorite things. But this is the question that I have. The question that I'm left with is if we can still have joy 
without all of these things? Can we have joy? Well, the church answer is yes. With Jesus, yes. That's the church answer, okay? And that is true. But how, how does that play out? What does that look like? If you lost your job, could you still have joy? If you lost your family, could you still have joy? If you lost everything that you own, could you still have joy? This is the question that I want to ask. But I think before that we can answer this question, we need to define joy. There's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is dependent on what happens to you. It's dependent on your happenstance. Joy is a choice. Happiness is an outward expression, and joy is something that's on the inside. Happiness is temporary, but joy is eternal. According to the Bible, where I like to go and find my answers, is, is this, joy is medicinal. Proverbs 17 and 22, it says, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Joy is a result of the choice that you make. And I've got three things here I want to mention. Joy is a result of knowing God. In James 1, 2 through 4, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Number two, joy is a result of praising God. So knowing God and, and praising God. In Psalm 71, 23, it says, My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you, my soul also, which you have redeemed. And the last thing, joy is a result of belonging to God. In Galatians 5 and 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is joy, love, joy, patience, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Joy is a result of belonging to God. To God. It's in the very nature of God. So let's ask the question. Let's, let's answer these questions. Can we still have joy if we lose our family? Can we still have joy if we lose our friends? Can we still have joy if we're faced with disease and sickness? Can we still have joy without Hallmark movies and Netflix? Can, <laughs> Pastor Greg said yes. <laughs> Can you still have joy... If you never go on another vacation in your life, can you still have joy if you lose your home? Can you, this one's questionable, but can you have joy without coffee? I don't know about this one. According to strip, uh, scripture, the answer is yes. Because all of those things that I mentioned, as great as they are, they're temporary. They're temp- we are temporary. We are on this earth, our bodies and our flesh, they're temporary. And according to scripture, we can still have joy. When we live this life to obtain all of these things, in the end, we can be left with disappointment. If we invest all of, we, all of everything that we have into these things, and believe me, I love some golf, and I love fishing, I can, I can just get lost in a, in a trout stream in the mountain. I love those things. 
But if, if we invest all that we have in those things, when we reach the end of our life, we're going to be left with disappointment. You see, without God, the creator of this universe, joy is going to be impossible to obtain. And God's plan is the only way to experience true joy. Do you know that in the Christmas story, joy is, is mentioned eight times? Eight times. But today we're going to discuss three common trials that get in the way of our joy. Three obstacles that keep us from joy. And they're found right in the Christmas story. And there were three choices that were made. And we'll see what the result was. In each example that I give you, the choice that was made results in joy. Number one, number one obstacle that can keep you from your joy. If you're taking notes, write this down, and this is fear. Fear and anxiety. Afraid is mentioned seven times in the Christmas story. You can't be joyful and fearful at the same time. You can't be joyful and live a life full of anxiety at the same time. Luke chapter 1 and 26 Verse 30 says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary, and she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You see, this was a traumatic experience for a teenage girl to find out that she was pregnant, that she was going to conceive a child. She wasn't even married yet. How am I going to explain this? This was a traumatic experience. She had never had relations with a man, and now she was going to give birth. And, and the story that leads up to that moment of, of riding a donkey. How many of you guys would like to ride a donkey to go give birth to your child? Not very many. Not very many. This was a traumatic experience for her. Mary had every reason to be afraid. This was a stressful story. So Mary, she asked a question in Luke chapter 1, 34 to 38. It says, Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby that will be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. And what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age and people used to say that she was barren. But she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. And I love this part, verse 37 says, for the word of God will never fail. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. and May everything that you have said come true. And the angel left her. Mary was left with a choice. When Mary, this is the choice. You can write this down. When Mary was afraid, she chose to trust God and accept his plan. Mary was afraid. She was faced with fear and anxiety, but she had a choice to make. And the choice that she made helped her overcome this obstacle. When she was afraid, she chose to trust God to accept his plan. What 
are you worried about? What are you worried about this Christmas? Is it your, your marriage? Is it your job? Is it your house? Is it your family? What are you going through? And what tough decisions are you faced in life? Is it, is it causing you to be afraid? Is it causing you to be fearful? And the next question is, are you going to trust God and his plan? And are you going to live a, or are you going to live a life of fear? You don't have to be afraid. God is going to help you through it, and he's going to help you overcome with unexplainable joy. So what was the result, or the result in Luke 1 and 47? Mary says this, How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. When you trust in God, the result is joy. All right, that's the, the number one obstacle. Number two, what I find in the story, the obstacle that could keep you from joy is anger. Anger and resentment. You can't be joyful when you are angry and resentful. How many of you guys know somebody that is an angry person? Yeah, don't look next to you. Matthew 1, in 18 through 19, it says, This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break off the engagement quietly. Okay? Joseph... What this means was Joseph was betrothed to be married. This was a legal binding engagement back in that day to be married to, to Mary. But she finds out that she's pregnant. She tells Joseph, and, and Joseph does something very honorable. He had every right to be angry. He had every right to question her and say, who did this to you? He had every right to turn her in. And then that day, she would have been stoned to death. He had every right to be angry. But you see, God had not revealed to him yet what the plan was. But he, he chose to do something different. He chose the honorable thing. He chose to break off the engagement, not to bring her more shame. You see, some of us in this room have been hurt. Some of us in this room have stored up anger and resentment in our life. And this may be a touchy subject. And I'm not trying to dig up the past but you've been hurt by people that you're close to and you've chosen to dwell on it and it controls you, you lose sleep over it, you treat people differently because of it, it comes up in your conversations, you can't get away from it, and it controls you, this anger and this resentment. And you've had a hard time moving on from this anger because of it. But can I tell you that there is another way. There is another way, and you don't have to live a life full of anger and resentment. You don't have to let it control you. You see, the Bible says when you let anger control you, it's actually a sinful thing. Ephesians 4 and 26 says, don't let sin, uh, don't, uh, sorry, it says, don't sin by letting anger control you. And don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Satan loves it. 
He absolutely loves it. And he's sitting back and he's laughing because you're giving him a tool to use to keep you from experiencing the joy of the Lord. Anger is only hurting yourself. And when you become angry and resentful, every time that you think about it, it's only hurting yourself. There is another way. So what is the choice that was made here? Joseph had the option to be angry. But when Joseph was hurt, he chose to offer grace and forgive and let go. Verse 20, as he, concert, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save the people of their sins. Ecclesiastes 7 and 9 says, Control your temper, for anger labels you a fool. Turn to your neighbor and say, I pity the fool. How can you put this into practice? How can we control anger? Well, I've got four things that you can do. The first thing, take a walk. You have to remove yourself from that in that moment until you can cool off. That'll be much better than saying something that you regret or doing something that you regret. Okay? Because Proverbs 14 and 17 says, Short-tempered people do foolish things. Number two, accept your limits. We need to recognize that there are certain things that are out of our control. Accept your limits. The actions of others, their attitudes, unforeseen events. Accept your limits. Number three, be careful who you vent to. Proverbs 29.11 says that a fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. Number four, don't hang out with angry people. Almost all of you raised your hand and you said you knew somebody who was an angry person. Stop hanging out with them. Stop. Okay? Just quit doing it. Anger is contagious. Proverbs 22 and 24 says, don't, this is biblical. This isn't coming from, from me. This is coming from God's word. It says, don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people. Or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. You're talking about your soul. You're talking about your salvation. You're talking about a sin. Anger is a sin. It's, it's not like you know, all the other sins that, that we can sit here and, and name. But it's a sin. When it contro controls you, it is a sin. Anger, all right, this is the thing. Anger is chronic, but it's not incurable. Okay, it's chronic, but it's not incurable. You can jump this anger, uh, this hurdle called anger, and you can find your way to joy. It has been done, and Joseph chose not to get bitter, and God blessed him for it. Joseph chose to believe what the angel told him, and Joseph chose to support Mary, and Joseph was blessed for it. Joseph chose grace, and he put his trust in God's plan. When you choose to let 
go of, of anger and resentment, that things, maybe you have something that you're thinking about right now. When you choose to forgive, when you choose to let go, when you choose to offer grace and forgiveness to somebody else, you can break through that barrier. And Satan loses his grip on your life because what he's doing is he's holding on. The Bible calls it a foothold. And when you're angry and you're holding on to that thing, he is holding on to you. When you forgive and you offer grace, Satan loses his grip on your life. And when you choose to show grace and forgive, you enter into a life of joy. Because Nehemiah 8 and 10 says that the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Okay? All right, last point. How am I doing on time? All right. I've got 15 minutes. The last thing, the last hurdle that we're faced and that faced with and that we see in the Christmas story is confusion. When you are confused about the direction in your life, it will be hard to have joy. It will be hard to have joy. This is a tough one here. Matthew 2, 1 through 3 says that Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, okay, so they came, they're on this journey, they, they arrived and they asked the question, where's the newborn king of the Jews? They were confused. We saw his star as it, as it rose and we have come to worship him. Where's he at? We're confused. And what happened when he said this? King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this. I've never picked up on this, but it says, as was everyone in, in Jerusalem. So now we've got the wise men that are confused. We've got King Herod that's disturbed and confused. And Jerusalem is in an uproar. It wasn't just the wise men that were confused here. Everybody was confused. What are you talking about? The king of the Jews. I thought I was. I thought I was the guy. What are you talking about? There was utter confusion. The wise men are confused. Where's the newborn king of the Jews? Not only were they confused in the Christmas story, but we see that Mary was confused. Joseph was confused. The shepherds were confused. King Herod was confused. And now everyone in Jerusalem, that's a, that's a big category. Everyone in Jerusalem is confused. An entire nation confused. You see, the details about these wise men are unknown. Where do they come from? Where do they go? Who do you come from? Cotton. I, I don't know where they came from. But we do know that they were following this star and that God used this star to lead them. I mean, what a cool thing. They're seeing this new star and they're following this star. And God uses this star to stop over the house where, where Jesus was and he leads them to Jesus. Did the wise men know where they were going? Nope. They, they had no clue. They ended up in, in, in front of King Herod. They didn't, know where they, were, they didn't know they were going to do that. They didn't know they were going to confuse an entire nation. None of them knew the exact plan. But their confusion and their lack of understanding didn't stop them from making the next step of faith. This is the choice that they were faced with. When the wise men were confused, they chose to follow the star, get this, 
one step at a time. How come we're not born with a map? How come we're not born with a manual that says, okay, on this day, this is going to happen. This is what you need to do. The reason is, is you couldn't handle it. If you knew of everything that was going to happen from now until you die, you would lose your mind. You couldn't handle it. We couldn't handle knowing everything that was going to happen in your life. So how can we know God's direction for our life? Well, you may never know the exact details and the direction of your life. Okay? You may never know that. But you shouldn't let that stop you from believing and trusting God because of what the Word of God says in Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans of good and not disaster to give you a hope and a future. How do we follow Jesus? We do it one step at a time. One Bible verse at a time. We do it one prayer at a time. One act of faith at a time. You see, I don't have, I don't have to live this life wondering and being confused about what's going to happen next. When I have the joy of the Lord, I know that He has plans for good for my life. I don't have to know all of the details. And, and as soon as I can let go of wanting to know all of the details and all of the confusion that I have, I will experience joy in my life. And then in closing, if the praise team would like to come. What are we willing to invest to discover the joy of the Lord. You see, Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men, they all picked up and they left what they had. They left everything to follow the plan of God. If you would, close your eyes and bow your heads. Are you willing to let go of your fears and your worries? Are you willing to let go of what happened in the past and move into the joy of what God has for you in the future? Are you willing to face the unknown and take a step of faith to follow God? See, God's plan is for us to all experience joy through His Son, Jesus Christ. I'm circling back to the very beginning. Joy to the world. The reason we can have joy in this world is because of Jesus Christ. It's the plan of salvation. The, the plan that He came that we could have life. And not just life, but that we could have life more abundantly. It's the plan that says that He has died on the cross to forgive me of my sins. The ultimate sacrifice and He's washed away all of my shame and my guilt and my sins and, and everything from the past so that I could move on and, and I could experience eternity right now. Eternity starts right now. You see, the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. But Jesus 
This is what he did. He died to take away your sins and to bring you back into communion with him. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you openly declare that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. For it is believing with your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. That's the plan. That's what God is offering you. He is offering you eternal life and a life of true joy. If you're here in this room, if you're watching online this morning, and you have never accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, it's as simple as praying this prayer and believing in your heart, okay? It says, Dear Jesus, thank you for creating me and for loving me even when I've ignored you and I've gone my own way. I realize that I need you in my life. And I'm sorry for my sins. And I ask you to forgive me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. And as much as I know how, I want to follow you from now on. Please come into my life and make me a new person on the inside. I accept your free gift of salvation. So please help me to grow now as a Christian. Amen.